It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's sein Rhythmus, als gäb's sein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hallo und willkommen zu Gegenpressing. The German football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn. And joining me, as always, is Chris Williams. Chris, how have you been? Bryce, I've been okay, thank you. How have you been? Yeah, not too bad. It's, I think, just like last week, as you mentioned, you know, when you look at the Friday night game, you think, God, that, that seems like so long ago. It's, it's happened once again, you know, but we've got plenty to talk about, haven't we? Including even a Monday night game, which we're just uh, potting straight after tonight. And Chris, that Monday night game had just about everything, didn't it? It did. It had um, problems to start with, um, demonstrations, feisty tackles, brilliant goals, tennis balls, it had a lot. It really did. And we'll get down to exactly what Chris means about tennis balls and all that in a second. But uh, joining Chris and I, as always, is Manu Vett. Manu, how have you been? Yeah, busy, Bryce. Um, I, I feel like all the games are blurring into one. Didn't we just talk yesterday? We did, didn't we? Yes, we did. Yeah. <laughs> and wow. on that podcast, you also said that the games are coming thick and fast at the moment and it's it's hard to differentiate between one and the other so the last 14 days and i mean chris you probably feel this as well we hadn't had a single so by next weekend i mean by next sunday we will have 14 game days of straight a game every day that we'll cover on the football ground network that's how busy we are right now 14 days straight i think that's i i don't think we've ever had that before so it's been really busy. The games have all been blurring into one, and but it's been really good and a lot of fun at the same time, Bryce. Yeah, very much so. I, I think also the uh, listeners uh, and readers in the Football Grads uh, Network will be uh, delighted because there's, there's so much content going up at the moment, but um, to the detriment of you guys probably getting some sleep, if being honest. But um, guys, sleep let's jump. I don't know what sleep. Yeah, exactly. You don't know what that is. You haven't a clue, right? But um, yes, um, I, I'm sure we'll mention it throughout the pod that there's going to be plenty going on the Football Grad Network in the next coming days or weeks even. Uh, but uh, yes, let's jump right in. Let, let's talk about this Monday night game. So it's not very often in the uh, Bundesliga that we have a Monday night game. Uh, but on this occasion, um, because of the uh, congestion of games, the European games, we've seen Eintracht Frankfurt's at home to RB Leipzig. And as Chris said, this game did have just about everything. It was a 2-1 victory Eintracht, who just uh, managed to come back from a 1-0 win. So the goals were rather early in the game, but that didn't stop the action throughout it. Uh, it was up and down. There was feisty challenges. There was chances either way. There was a penalty, then a 
it went to VAR and then it wasn't a penalty and it just went on and on. But um, Manu, let, let's just go back to you um, very briefly and, and say uh, it's obviously a victory for Eintracht, a massive result for them, um, lesser so RB Leipzig. But do you think that RB Leipzig were affected by playing in the Europa League um, last week and about um, having a game? Well, it's Monday. They've, they've got a game on Thursday against Napoli. They're ahead in the first leg, but they've got a tough home leg against the, the Serie A leaders. I love this question, Bryce, because I feel that's exactly what Chris and I spoke about last week. Remember, Chris, we were saying, how are Leipzig going to handle this Europa League fixtures? And we were both saying... Well, it's kind of, we kind of doubt it because they had that stretch where they were consistent. Then they have that great game against Napoli in Italy. Fantastic performance by them, by the way. Great result. And I, I reckon they will probably go through. And so predictable. They go from that fantastic performance in Napoli. They, Hasenhüttel rotates the squad a little bit, leaves the likes of Timo Werner out, brings on Augustan, who we'll scored, by the way. And, yeah, they're loose. I mean, this, this is, this, we, we couldn't have scripted this, uh, any better. I, I, Chris, we kind of, kind of predicted this, didn't we? Well, I'd sort of hoped, Manu, that Leipzig will have learned from their, um, autumn time Champions League, um, games where they were playing midweek and then the weekend. And it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a daunting battle rhythm, isn't it? If you've never done it before. And I was hoping that they would sort of learn from experiences, but they looked like, um, and we spoke about this last time, they looked a little bit like Borussia Dortmund did on a weekend after they played Champions League midweek, a little bit lethargic, a little bit flat. And there'll be fans of football clubs all across Europe whose sides play in the Champions League and Europa League in midweek and then go out and have a poor result week on the weekend. So there'll be a lot of people who can relate to this. And I was hoping that uh, maybe Leipzig had, had learned something, but it didn't. They were... Bar the opening five or ten minutes, I thought they were quite poor throughout and they looked very, very tired. And they only went to um, Italy, which in the big scheme of things isn't really that far. No, it's not. I mean, I've done this flight. It's it's a couple hour flight. So I think it's a two hour flight um, from Munich. So maybe a little longer, like 10 minutes longer from Leipzig. It's It's a short hop and... Um, I reckon they flew straight from Napoli to, to Frankfurt, um, which is again a very short hop. So yeah, it very, very little excuse in that matter. And, um, maybe you have to add to that Napoli are focusing very much on this area, right? Because they haven't won a Scudetto since 1990. So, um, this Leipzig were fantastic, but Napoli, it felt the entire game had, have, they have the eye on a bigger price, right? Um, breaking that duck, winning that Italian championship, which, I feel it's sort of understandable for them. Um, for now, for Leipzig, this is different. I think Leipzig will focus quite a lot on the Europa League um, because it's a trophy that, in my opinion, they could maybe even win or go very deep in, right, and gain that much-needed European experience. And some of that experience will be for next season, I guess, or further down the road in this season to actually figure out that rhythm. And... Unlike Dortmund, Leipzig were actually lucky because they were given that extra day, right? The controversial Monday fixture to play actually on Monday. So, yeah, it's 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 an interesting one, and I I felt this was so predictable. Yeah, very predictable. But uh, I feel you know, we we 
also got to give a bit of credit to uh, Eintracht. Mm. Uh, you know, they, they've been they're having a very good season, and may I just say that um, you know before we came on the pod, we talked about many players that uh, we've enjoyed seeing in the Frankfurt shirt this year, and yeah, that sees them move up to third. I mean, Chris, um, you know, not to talk about you know how uh, RB Leipzig threw it away, but you know we we do have to give some credit to Eintracht, don't we? Oh yeah, they did, and you know they were, thought they were very very good. They were um, 1-0 down, and they turned the game around very, very quickly. Um, I thought Sebastian Haller uh, was excellent. Um, I thought Rebic is the type of player who just seems to be everywhere. And even Marius Wolf, who just seems a bit of an antagonist, he seems to be everywhere, kicking people and putting people on the deck and putting in challenges. And I think they've got a really good balance in their side of skillful players and players who will do what I like to call that dirty work that no one wants to do, which includes tracking back and working hard defensively and getting stuck in as well as more natural, skillful players. But I mean, they're having a really good time at the moment. And as, as a conglomerate of, of every, everybody seems to be playing well. The, the defense is playing excellent. You know, Chandler's chipping in with goals again. He, he's going now scored like two in five where he hadn't scored one in two years. So they're getting goals from places they weren't getting last season. And I know we spoke about this a lot, but last season when Marco Fabian went missing, that coincided with um, Frankfurt's downturn after the end of the winter break. So this season everything seems to be falling into place. And Manu said it the other week, and I'll say it again, Niko Kovac has built a team that is hard and aggressive, but knows where the line is and knows when to play football so they can fight their way back and score two goals very quickly and then just fight the game out, which is pretty much what they did. And I think it could have been a higher scoring game, maybe a couple of more goals for each side at one point. Both sides were attacking, but it wouldn't have surprised me for Frankfurt to go on and win this game. You know, maybe maybe something like 4-1 wouldn't have been a flattering scoreline to them. Yeah, definitely. I think you're right in mentioning Haller's been a fantastic uh, player for them this year. He's a real outlet when they're, you know, especially towards the end of the game, like today, you know, where, where they have to uh, clear their lines. You know, he, he's on the end of everything, isn't he? And, he, and he's coming up with goals. Uh, you mentioned that Chandler's also getting goals. You know, things are, are looking good throughout that squad. Rebic is good. Marco Fabian's obviously in the squad as well. Um, yeah, they, things look positive, don't they, Manu? Uh, that is actually uh, one, this is in the league, one loss in six that they've got. And they've, they've still got a semi-final uh, position uh, in the Pokal as well against uh, Schalke. So things are looking very positive for them. Isn't isn't that the case, Manu? Yeah, I wrote in a preview, actually, Bryce, that last season around this time, that's when the wheels came off. Actually, three match days ago last season, so around match day 20, they, they stopped winning and then they only collected another six points from match day 20 to 14. Um, right now, there's three points below uh, below the 42 points that they had last year. And I, I, I can't see the wheels come off this year. I'd be shocked if the wheels come off. And the the reason for that is it's it's sort of an evolution um, at, at Eindracht right now. And the, the Niko Kovac, and this is something that we criticized so much last year, right? The, um, that hard physical play was sometimes a bit too hard and it cost them a lot of players through injuries and it cost them a lot of players through yellow and red cards. Now, Kovac has learned a lot and I think this really shows how good of a coach he is 
He's learned a lot from last season. And I think with Freddie Bobic, the sporting director, he, Freddie Bobic was very smart bringing in the right players to complement this side. I mean, Kevin Prince Porteng, what a steal. The, the guy has been incredible for them. He is, uh, he's a hard leader. He is, yes, he is very flashy at times, but he is not afraid to go in where it hurts. Um, very outspoken personality, someone who's grown up immensely, I feel. You know, we all remember, of course, when he walked off the pitch in Italy for um, anti-racism demonstration. There was always a lot of controversy about him. And I feel that, and I feel that he has really grown up and without losing all that flashiness that I think is very important, he's, he's become that really good emotional leader and he's sort of walking that fine line himself, but through age, he's now 30, has learned. He's almost like, he's like almost personifies Eintracht Frankfurt. He's a player who's always been a little bit over the edge, right? And that's always prevented him from becoming that real superstar. Now he's 30, he's kind of matured and that really much represents that side in my opinion right now that the fact that he is so mature that he has he has found a balance he's hard he's flashy at the same time i mean I remember a couple of, a couple of weeks ago he scored a goal where he could have also broken his legs he went into that ball so hard there were three defenders around him and he just went in he scored today he scored an amazing goal again for me that's he, he is the symbol of Eindracht's success, of course, with Freddy Bobic and Kovac. And Kovac, of course, knows Boateng because they grew up in the same neighborhood in, in Berlin, right? A really rough neighborhood in Berlin. So I think that it, it's, everything is just going on there. And we called them at times already the Atletico Madrid of Germany last season, right, Chris? But I feel like, um, remember when Atletico had that revolution under Simeone a few years ago and they, all of a sudden they broke into that phalanx of top clubs in Spain? Maybe, just maybe, we're seeing this right now here with Eintracht Frankfurt. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me if they could break in to the top four, which is, I don't think that's out of their realms of possibility, um, especially with the teams around them and how they've been playing. But we've criticised them in the past for being a little bit too hard. You know, today they picked up, I think it was six yellow cards. Boateng's out for the next game. He's suspended. Um, through yellow card suspension and then they've got three players sitting on four yellow cards so this is just the time where they need to watch it maybe a little bit but I'm with you and you know seeing them live um, when they were away at Wolfsburg the other week I was very impressed with them then the game whether you mentioned that um, Boateng scored in which was the um, Gladbach game I thought they were very good in that as well and I thought thought they'd been very good tonight in another live game Well, that's a man you talked about, uh, Kevin Prince Boateng, you know, maturing a little bit. Uh, but even looking at the stats um, and you know, throughout the squad, what he actually leads, which you wouldn't expect, is ground duels one game. So it's so it's quite interesting that he's he's not just a bit of a flair player. He creates chances. He has shots. He scores goals. But he's also very much getting stuck in as well. You know, so he, he's got he's got a good balance, I think. Um, you know, within him, and you know that that that's that can definitely be down to to coaching as well, can it? So things are looking rather good for them, and they're they're playing at Stuttgart next. Uh, I mean, just before we move away from them and, and talk a little bit more about the controversy uh, in the game, Manu, where where can you see uh, Eintracht maybe finishing the season? You know, based on on this result and how things have been going for them so far. Well, Bryce, I think there's a real chance that they're going to finish in the top four. 
Um, of course, it's going to be a, it's a long way still to go. And there is that Chris highlights it, the way they play. There's always a danger that they're losing players through suspension. But I think the squad is a lot deeper. And we're going to talk about money and how the Bundesliga is spending its money um, in, a, in a moment. But Eintracht Frankfurt, for me, are an example of a club that has spent their money very well. Um, and they have used that money very well to, to strengthen that side. I mean, we were we were laughing about how little they paid for Ante Rebic. They paid 2 million euros for him um, on a permanent deal, which is just amazing yeah, that, 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 and incredible. That's insane. Yeah, that's, that's insane. It's just madness. Boateng was signed on a free transfer. Heller was signed, I believe, for 9 million euros. Um, Salcedo, the defender, the Mexican defender, who I thought was very good today in the, in the back three, he looked very much like Vallejo did last season. He, they can sign him on a permanent deal worth 2.5 million euros from Chivas. I mean, this is, this is, this is all peanuts. They spent peanuts, I mean, which is incredible. How good Salcedo was as well. I mean, obviously you and I speak on the, on the Mexican podcast, uh, Golazzo as well. And you know, I, I was looking into his stats, see how well he's been getting on. He's actually been the most accurate passer within that side as well. Mm. And that, that just adds to how ridiculous it is that how cheap he is. But it, it, it's, it's very much, you know, the less money you have, the, the smarter you've got to be with that money. And, yeah. you know, Chris, it, you'd probably agree with Manu and I that they are very smart with how they spend their money. I think you have to be in in today's modern Bundesliga, and I know we're going to go on and talk about money. And, and clubs are are quite rich, and and we know we'll explain why they're quite rich. But it's still not a place where player, you know, where sorry, where um, owners go out and spend fifty, sixty, seventy million pounds or euros, or whatever you know, currency you want to call it. They don't spend that vast amount of money on players, and it's still a place where talent spotting is is looked upon as a fantastic asset to have not just plenty of money so frankfurt are, are showing their their wealth i suppose you could call it their wealth of talent that they can go out and spot these players and and get themselves real bargains and push themselves up the league now can they ultimately challenge Bayern munich at some point because Bayern are so cash rich that's something that we'll have to look at um, and could it be a point where Bayern start buying their players because they're very good? That is something we'll have to wait and see. But if you're looking for a team that could potentially you know, push on to challenge them, well, at the moment, take any of that top six. So Dortmund, Frankfurt, Leverkusen, Leipzig or Schalke. And they're, they're so close on points. And I know we talked about it before, but that is, in essence, that's helping Bayern Munich be so far ahead because the others are so finely balanced and Bayern will always get a result like they did on the weekend so it's very very interesting and I'm with Manu I think there's something very special happening at Frankfurt and and we could be 12 months away from a Bayern Dortmund Frankfurt fight and and that that doesn't mean forget Schalke or Leverkusen or even Leipzig and Mm. at some point maybe we could see a six-way battle for a title wouldn't that be nice well, Lewandowski said in a kicker interview today, um, actually, sorry. Yes, it was actually today on Monday. Um, <laughs> getting my days mixed up. He said that, um, the Bundesliga has to be careful be- to lose the fourth Champions League spot. There needs to be more teams than Bayern and Dortmund challenging in the Champions League. And Eintracht Frankfurt, if they make the Champions League, of course, that will be a far step. But I, I can see someone like Frankfurt eventually getting there becoming a challenger and, and RB Leipzig, of course, as well. I think RB Leipzig, um, of course, they have to be a bit careful right now. 
they, they are currently outside of that top four, um, but they could eventually become one of those clubs as well. They just need to, we, we have explained how it works with the five-year coefficient, the money that you need to be able to make in order to appease financial fair play. That's a problem zone for, for RB Leipzig. Another side, of course, is Leverkusen, a team that I also think um, could do better. And then Schalke and all these teams, all these teams need to, need to do a little better and Frankfurt perhaps is using the fact that some of these teams Dortmund, Schalke, um, RB Leipzig to a certain extent, Bayer Leverkusen haven't done that great in the last few years in the Bundesliga but also in the Champions League and they're kind of saying like look we're doing things a little bit different you know we do talent spotting a little bit different we have a coach and a sporting director that are willing to sign players that are not always easy I mean another one is Marius Wolf who um, is an 1860 product was when I when I covered 1860 was considered one of the best street footballers in German football, but it has a has a very difficult personality at times, and he was banned to the second team in Hannover, and then Eintracht Frankfurt picked him up on a free, and look at where he's now. He's on the edge of qualifying for to play for the German national team. So they are not risk adverse, right? Um, they are very good at spotting the right players. And uh, that, again, is a great parallel to Atletico Madrid. And I think they're using a great time where some of the bigger sides are a little bit weaker. And right, remember, once you are in that Champions League bubble and you're making that kind of money, and with the fact that the Commerzbank Arena is a huge stadium, there's a huge, enormous amount of financial power in the city of Frankfurt, they could they could... Be, they could do what Dortmund did in the, uh, the, the early 2000s, right? After, right after bankruptcy, sort of resurrect themselves. And they can do something similar to Atletico did. And that's great. I think that is what's happening in Frankfurt. It's something very special at the moment. Manu, in the sides that you mentioned, would uh, Wolfsburg also fall under that? Uh, I mean, it, it's come out, isn't it, that they've got a rather high wage bill. Yeah, I think we need to talk about Wolfsburg a little bit later on because, uh, of course, their head coach resigned today, uh, Martin Schmidt. But yes, absolutely. And with the financial power that the Volkswagen company, Volkswagen Group has, even after the diesel scandal, it's, it's criminal what's happening with the money that they have there. It's, there's no better way of putting it. But I think we'll have to talk about Wolfsburg in a little bit more detail later on. Yeah, I think we'll get to that longer time. There's plenty to talk about. But let's go back to uh, the Monday night game, uh, tonight's game, uh, where we've seen, um, well, things on the pitch um, get uh, overshadowed by some controversy. And uh, Manu, I think we're going to go back to you to explain exactly what's happened here. And then uh, I think we'll all probably be uh, injecting with a bit of uh, a bit of uh, our opinions. Um, Monday night games, why were the players... Sorry, why were the fans uh, protesting against it by throwing tennis balls onto the pitch? I mean, what's wrong with a Monday night game? I mean, uh, in the UK, it's something that we've done for quite a while by Sky Sports. And it's something that I think a lot of people quite enjoy. Yeah, there's there's a lot of controversy. Chris, you, you are very involved in, in fan opinions, etc. So I'm really curious to hear your your opinion on this as well. But Maybe just to recap, so the Monday night game was actually brought in, not actually for commercial reasons, but it was brought in to give teams playing in the Europa League a little bit of a rest um, so that they have they can push some of the games on Thursday. Uh, the Thursday game, the teams are playing on Thursday to a Monday night. The reason is this, and this is also something that people forget, this is actually to protect 
um, the Sunday afternoon for amateur teams so that amateur teams in the lower divisions can play and don't miss a game that's shown on television. Um, I think in the UK, they have something similar. They, they, they ban uh, certain live games. They don't do that in Germany. They just don't schedule a game for those times, right? So that was actually one of the main reasons why they did this. It had actually very little commercial reasons. Um, but yet, because there is such a heated atmosphere right now between that fine line of commercialization, this also plays in the 51 plus one rule that we discussed, I believe, two weeks ago with uh, with John, right? Um, something that's also very controversial right now. So that's kind of like another drop in that bucket. So fans are very upset. Um, fans are upset that they have to go to some games on Monday night, which means they have to sometimes have to take off work or they can't go. It's harder to go and see those games. Um, it it's a it's a whole controversial issue, right? But the funny thing is actually, and there wasn't just a tennis ball protest. There was fans actually standing behind on on the ground, right behind the um, advertisement banners. Um, so this this was this was actually pretty heated. But I, I there was a funny statistic published by the kicker and uh, fans in particular. They are funny bunch and they always reminiscence about the good old times and how football was more less commercial in in the seventies and eighties. And the kicker actually published a statistic about games being played midweek in the Bundesliga. And uh, currently we have 52 games out of over, uh, out of, um, over 300 games. We have, um, 52 games being played midweek, which is less than last season and is half of the midweek games that were played in 1984-85. There was 106 midweek games in that season. Um, say that the season that following was 103. The same in the 90s. There was 135 games midweek in 1991, 1990-1992. Uh, 70s also had more midweek games than today. So those people that are nostalgic, they should better not look at the statistic because it wasn't better in the earlier days. Um, the fan, the, the schedule is actually very much designed to appease fans. But it's still, you know, I think it's just, it's not necessarily all against that Monday game in particular. It's more about the commercialization of the game that our fans are worried about. And this plays very much into that 50 plus one debate that we had, right, Chris? Yeah, definitely. And I can, I can see the problem, Bryce. I think sometimes when people are looking at, at teams in Germany and they go, oh, well, what's really a problem? So um, the UK isn't particularly um, a big country. Germany is... It's one and a half times the size of the UK. So what you've also got to remember is the UK isn't a football league. So you've got the Scottish Football League, you've got the Welsh League, obviously, and you've got the English League system. So it's only teams, give or take a few, Swansea, Cardiff, Gretna, etc., who play in different leagues. You're looking at just England. So it's not it's not that bad, really, in the big scheme of things. If someone from... If, if Newcastle play... I don't know, a London-based team, the transport links, you're looking at two, two and a bit hours. If if you're you know playing, uh, if you're Freiburg and you're playing against Leipzig, that is quite a big journey to make on a Monday night when you're supposed to be in work on Monday. Um, and, and, you know, Manu's dead right, obviously, but it's ebbing away at this. Football's no longer for the fans it's for someone else now be that television fans or be it for fans abroad or be it for a vehicle for the dfl to sell a game abroad um to places like um, japan where it's exceptionally popular 
it's the ebbing away and we had the Chinese thing, you know, last season with the Chinese teams looking to not exploit, but push the league in China. Cause obviously there's a massive captive audience there who love football. And it's, it's just, um, what's the good old adage, the straw that broke the camel's back. So the Friday game isn't particularly popular. Um, it's football. As Manu says in the good old days, when people look back through their rose tinted glasses, it's a Saturday and a Sunday game. Now, Obviously, stats say that football's played midweek throughout the ages. But I think the Monday game, all of a sudden, the weekend gets spread out. You've got Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. What's next? Well, when's the next Wednesday night game coming in? Because we you know we have them a couple of times a season, don't we? The English Vodka, you know, the English week, as it's called, and it's called that for a reason, because over here in England, we play football all the time. I think there was a game every day last week. So... They don't want to be in a situation like that. And and you can understand it because all of a sudden going to watch football costs a lot more because you're not getting the, the free rail travel because you're having to travel vast distances. So I, I can see where it is and where does it stop? And I think this is what German, German fans in Germany are, are worried about. Where does it stop? First, it's Friday night games. Then it's Monday night games. Do I going to have a Wednesday game? Then what all of a sudden the very last match day is going to be played in Japan. It's all at the 39th game. We had it in the Premier League. Where's the 39th game going to be played? Is it going to be played somewhere like Singapore? No, it's not. It's it's a football for the country. And we have to remember that football relies on its fans. Without well, without fans, football is nothing. That last yeah, sentence nails it, Chris. Yeah, that nails it for me. I think people forget that the reason football exists is because of the people that watch it, not the other way around, right? So I think that just nails it for me. But guys, can I, can I put the question to both of you? I mean, first of all, we're saying that the game happened on a Monday night, um, not because of a commercial thing, but more because of the European football and then the amateur leagues, uh, they didn't want to clash with that on a, on a Sunday. So the first question I would ask is, when's the best time to play this game then to, to keep everyone happy? Um, is there a better time where you're always going to upset someone? And then I suppose the next question is, how many more of these Monday night games have they got planned at the moment? There's four more Monday night games this season. So we're, we haven't seen the end of this yet. Um but this is a very good question. How do you do it? Um, I personally don't know if Leipzig have really helped with playing on Monday and then playing on Thursday again, right? Uh, I think maybe having having them play on a Saturday evening and an evening game um, would maybe be better. I don't know how much that that really that rhythm really helps. Um, Sundays are unpopular. I think Sundays are even worse than Mondays in a lot of ways of Fridays. Um, but Sunday afternoon, you know, a lot of people like to do other things than go to maybe a soccer stadium in a lot of ways or play themselves. I mean, I, I played amateur in Germany and Sunday is very much reserved for that. So it's, um, it's a difficult question, Bryce. And I don't really have the answer for it. It's, I think the, to be honest with you, as many games on Saturday as possible, uh, is, is the ideal. Um, at least for me personally.
Want natural, healthy-looking shine and voluminous curls and waves that make you look like you just stepped out of a salon? It's easy with Conair Jumbo and Super Jumbo Hot Rollers. These 12 ceramic flocked rollers heat up in just 85 seconds. And because they're infused with ceramic, they transfer heat evenly for big, bouncy, long-lasting curls. Twice the flocking of competitive products means more heat protection. Wire clips ensure a secure hold. Makes a great gift for yourself or someone special. Go to Conair.com for Jumbo and Super Jumbo Hot Rollers now. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, yeah. I'd go along with that as well. I think Saturday, it, Germany's a little bit different because, and, and Manu's already mentioned it, so you know, the Bundesliga will traditionally play on a Saturday and the other games play on, on a Sunday. The, you know, I, know, I know there's a variation uh, amongst that. So there are some games that will be played Saturday morning from the lower leagues and then you know there's Bundesliga games that will be played on a Sunday. But traditionally, that's how all of football is shown because it doesn't affect. And Manu mentioned the ban um, that the FA put on any live football being broadcast at three o'clock. That's why if you're in the UK, you can't watch the 2.30 um, Bundesliga games because they can't be broadcast over three o'clock because the FA is scared that if you show um, Barcelona against Real Madrid, Bayern Munich against Borussia Dortmund, Liverpool against Manchester United at three o'clock on a Saturday, then somebody won't go and watch Peterborough play. They won't go and watch Nuneaton play. They won't go and watch um, you know, Cambridge United play. They won't go and watch their local amateur teams play. They'd rather stay at home and watch you know, top-flight football. So that's why it doesn't happen in England. And it's not really been a problem in Germany, which is why you can watch every single game live on television. So I don't see why we can't have more 2.30 kickoffs because it's not like anybody's going to be detrimented against because all you need is is a Sky Bundesliga package and you can watch, you know, there's 10 channels. So you can watch up to 10 games at once, but well, maybe nine because everyone wants to see the conference still, the one that flips around from game to game. So I, I don't know why these games can't be played, um, the majority of them on a Saturday. And then the Monday night game, if it needs to be played on a Sunday, it can be played on a Sunday for those teams that are in Europe on a Thursday night. I, I don't think playing Monday and then playing again Thursday will help Leipzig, particularly as they were very poor this evening. They've only now got a couple of days to try and work on it. Now, imagine they get beat um, 3-0 by at Napoli on, on Thursday night. Can't see it myself, but it might happen. You don't know. Um, and well, why's that happened? Well, they've only had a couple of days rest. So, for me, I don't really know if it's going to work. Um, I think the next one is um, Dortmund against Augsburg. Um, and, you know, Dortmund, the um, the union have already said that they're not going to be there. So you could be in a situation where, you know, half the yellow wall is missing. Hmm. Um, and then another one is Werder Bremen against Cologne. Um, well, they're two teams who will probably take whatever games they can get at the moment because, you know, they're in, in, in a poor position, especially Cologne. Don't think they'll care when they play because they need the points. But 
I can see their fans not being particularly happy about it, especially down at Cologne. Werder Bremen, I'm not sure they might just you know, take it on the chin and play, but it's going to be really interesting for me for this next game because the the reaction in Frankfurt was something that I I didn't think would be as as um, ferocious as it was. The the game was held up for I think seven or eight minutes because hundreds and it was hundreds of fans were pitch side with banners and then you saw the start of the second half with all the tennis balls and the streamers coming out uh, i think that will pale into insignificance for what we'll see uh, um, at the west Fallen stadium yeah i agree with that um chris i think that in dortmund it's 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 going to be either very loud or very quiet and it's it's sad because this game, it was such a great game, but it was overshadowed by this. And you could see that both sides, both sides, um, the first 10 minutes really struggled because the fans were still sat- standing right next to the pitch. Out, not in the stands, but right down below, right? Um, for the first 10 minutes. And it, it was weird. It was a really weird atmosphere. So I'm kind of, yeah, fearful to see what's going to happen in Dortmund. Um, as for Köln, Bremen, I think for both those sides, it's going to be very good practice for next season. Um, when they have to play more Monday night games in Bundesliga too. So I think for them, that will actually be a bonus. Uh, Manu, you mentioned about uh, the sides playing on a uh, Saturday night. You know, Maybe that would have been a, a benefit to the likes of Leipzig who played on Thursday. You know, it, It's going to be as far away as you can put it without it interfering with Sunday or it happened to be on a Monday. But say it was on even later on the Saturday nights. Would that be a possibility? Is is that something that could be done? So it's on maybe the same time as the Friday night game, uh, or the Monday night game, but actually on a Saturday, something like that. Is it would? Can we make that a possibility? Oh, late kickoffs on a Saturday night. I don't know, Bryce. People like to go out on Saturday nights in in Germany. <laughs> I think it's it's not like Spain or Italy where you know there's an eight thirty game. Um, I don't think that would fly. I I think you just can't get that done. I think the the um the five thirty game on a Saturday that is that is a television fixture, hmm. um, as is the Friday night game. So the only way you could get around it is to have another two thirty kickoff or bump one of the two thirty kickoffs on a Sunday onto the Saturday. So for instance, this week um, Augsburg against Stuttgart doesn't really need to be held on Sunday because neither of the teams in Europe, Gladbach against Dortmund, you could argue, needed to be played on the Sunday. So this game tonight, Frankfurt against Leipzig, could have been moved into um, Augsburg and Stuttgart slot, and they could have gone into the half-two kickoff. So it's hard. It's hard to do, but it's a little easier, I feel, for the Bundesliga and, and for the DFL, because they don't release the ratified fixture dates so far in advance. So... In in many other countries, Spain, England, you get the full fixture list at the start of the season and then they're moved for television or they're moved for cup or um, European games afterwards. The, 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 the DFL, they only, re- they only release blocks of fixtures. So if you're looking to, you know, if you're looking to plan, I want to go and watch a game in May, you, you don't know what day or what time that game's going to be because those block of fixtures haven't been released yet. So, they do have the capacity to be able to plan a lot better um, in the league. And I think this is an occasion uh, we'll see maybe where they might have to use that extra planning time 
um, a little better because I can't see the Monday night problems going away. And what they what the DFL won't want to do is have games on a Monday night broadcast around the world like they were tonight um, with late kickoffs and obvious discontent. It doesn't look good for the league at all. Mm-hmm. Well, well, Chris, you, you mentioned that obviously um, you're, we've got to respect the fans, you know, um, the fans are what drive the game, you know, and so fans being able to get to these matches as well. And it's maybe unfair them having like some more Friday night or midweek games. But do you think from a financial point of view that, you know, more games being on throughout the week is going to bring more money to the league? Um, I mean, we talk about 50 plus one being good and bad for the league, but would, um, would bringing more money through TV be good for the for the league and the sides when it comes to the likes of competing in the Champions League and in, in the Europa League? Uh, no, not really, because I don't think the Bundesliga will drive the sort of figures that you've seen the Premier League drive, which is now on a downward spiral, by the way. Um, Sky and BT know they don't have to pay extortionate fees anymore, and they can't pay them because people don't want to pay £75, £80 a month out of their you know, out of their back pocket when there's an austerity on across most of the world. They don't want to be lashing out extra income for you know, satellite television. So you've seen that in the latest round of Premier League um, fixtures, um, sorry, the Premier League television rights. They've dropped by by millions. And the the Bundesliga isn't on that level. So you can't say, oh, yeah, well, the, the Monday night, the Friday night game is going to bring in an extra $5 billion, um for worldwide television rights because it simply won't. Yeah, and that's sad too, guys. I mean, we got the latest numbers uh, from the Bundesliga, they were they were published in Kicker Business, and um, to to get us on that topic, the Bundesliga is not a poor league. You know, we were talking about how Frankfurt used the resources very well, but the Bundesliga is the second richest league after the Premier League, and the gap has closed significantly. Um, back in 2013, when we had two teams in the Champions League final, the Bundesliga was the uh, fourth richest team, fourth richest league uh, behind. England, Spain, Italy, and France in terms of television revenue. Now it's the number two and we, the teams have been poor in Europe, right? Um, the revenue this year, and this is, this is for the 2016-17 season was 3.3 billion. Um, the revenue for the year 2017 was actually over 4 billion euros. So it's not a lack of money. Uh, you, they don't need to squeeze out more money, really. They're making a lot of money already. Um, the money is not the reason why teams are losing to Ludo Goretz and uh, Nicosia in the Europa League and Champions League. That's not that's not the reason, you know. And an actual fact, um, it's the teams are not doing enough. When you look at some of the money, some of the figures that we got, uh, it's actually quite incredible how much money Bundesliga teams have and how poorly they do in relations to it. Especially when you think back to 2013 when they didn't have as much money and did really well. Yeah, very, very good points. Um, yeah, so more money is not the answer, right? Eh? Even though a lot of people would suggest that, eh? But, um, guys, let, let's talk about European football. Uh, that was a bit of a bridge towards it, I suppose. Um, we'll talk about uh, Borussia Dortmund. So we've seen that um, over the weekend they didn't just beat uh, Gladbach. Yes, that's right, we still don't have John on here. But they, they, they just about beat them. It wasn't the most convincing of uh, performances, but they were playing on something that's didn't quite resemble a pitch but that's a discussion um maybe for another time let's talk about them in europe 
they beat Atalanta last Thursday. Um, it was a close call with a goal right at the depth um, by that man, Michi Batshuayi, um, after being 2-1 down. Uh, I mean, obviously, things weren't exactly perfect um, where they manu, but um, a, a victory that they'll take anyway. And so, uh, how do you feel that they're going to um, approach uh, this week's game, taking on the side sitting in eighth in Serie A? Oh, um, I think they just need to go and win it. <laughs> that's that's the, the easy answer, and it's not going to be easy. I think that um, I, Dortmund haven't been playing the way Dortmund have been playing under Tuchel um, in particular. And um, a lot of people have criticized that I feel that Stöger took over a side that was very much out of depth, um, had a lot of issues going on left, right, and center. And the first thing he did is said, okay, we'll buckle down now. We'll get our defense set and, um, we'll just like sit down and get results. And with results, usually the confidence comes. And when you have more confidence, then you can start playing beautiful football again. So the judgment is about a little bit early. Um, that set of the nine games he has played, um, he has won six, he has drawn two, and he's lost only one, and that's the quarterfinal against Bayern. So that's actually a really good record. And even the quarterfinal against Bayern, they almost came back um, and, and turned that game around in the last minute. So I think, um, yes, they're not play, they're not their former selves. There's a lot of to criticize, but you also have to see where they're coming from, right? This team went through all of November and most of December without winning a single game. And now they're second in the standings again. And they, they, they look like the big winner of this match day to me. And they might, if everything goes the way we think it will go, they, they will, might be in the round of 16 of the Europa League. Um, remember, they actually didn't win a game in the Champions League. <laughs> they actually, you know, that, which is, which is remarkable in itself. Um, so under Stöger, they actually finally won a game in Europe this season. And for me, Dortmund are one of those sides that have spent a lot of money and have done not very well with that money. And that's probably because of coaching and the things that have been off going on off field and all that kind of stuff with Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and Bosch and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I think right now the critic, the critics are out there and they're really criticizing Stöger for it. But right now he's getting results. And then for me, in the end of the day, that's really that what matters. If you, if I was a Dortmund fan, I'd be just saying, look, we're second now in the league. We're probably going to be back in the Champions League next year. We have a good chance of going deep in the Europa League. What else is there to like? I mean, you can focus on playing beautiful football in the off season and then uh, look how it goes next year. Chris, how, how do you feel about it all? Obviously, Dortmund's a, a club close to your heart. Um, uh, Stoger uh, is is putting up a well a good record if if we look at the at the games that he he's won as Manu just said, but maybe not the the prettiest of football uh, that we've well that we've seen over the years with, with Tuchel and and even with Klopp there. I mean, well, what exactly is your opinion on it all? Pretty similar to to Manu, really on on the whole. Um... They had a fantastic start to the season and then, you know, the wheels came off spectacularly and they had a really, really poor run of form, which, you know, ended with Peter Bosch being sacked and and, and Peter Stoger coming in. And sometimes you need a manager to come in and, and it's a real old football cliche, but steady the ship and, and that's what he's done. You did the draws against Hertha Berlin. I was there for it. It was particularly um, a, a, a poor game. The game against Freiburg, you know, left it very, very late to equalise. And then I thought the game against Cologne and Atlanta typified 
what this current Dortmund side is, which is pretty ropey at the back, but quite exciting going forward. So um, I suppose you could look at the Gladbach game and say, you know, they didn't leak a goal um, and they were under a lot of pressure. Um, you know, if you look at the match stats, Gladbach hammered them with shots on target, but you didn't go in. Now, that could be more reflective maybe on Gladbach, but I thought when they fell asleep in the game against Atalanta, they were punished very, very quickly and um, and they came back to win that game. So it's six and two threes. It's managed quite right. What do you want as a Dortmund supporter? Because you've had an awful season and you know your manager that was going to come in and, and steady um, the club for the next two to three years and develop all these fantastic youthful produce that was coming through He's gone after four or five months and who's going to come in properly after that? You don't really know. So Stoker's come in and he's been given a job to do, which is, you know, get Dortmund back up the league and back into Champions League qualification for next year. And, and he's pretty much done that. And I don't know if they'll get through. So round of 16, because this is a very, very tough tie. They've got to go to, to Italy. And I could see a similar sort of game going on, maybe, um, maybe this time they wouldn't be able to pull it back. I, it wouldn't surprise me to see them go out on away goals um, against Atalanta, but that would then let them concentrate on getting back up the league into Champions League. So I would say that you have to judge Peter Stoger at the end of the season, really, on where Dortmund have finished and how their record's been. And, you know, is he the man to take them on in the future? We'll have to wait and see. I mean, I've not been particularly... Um, impressed would be the wrong word. I've not been particularly you know, thrilled by watching Dortmund play, especially compared to this time last season under Tuchel and then a clock before it. But, you know, um, managers move on, players move on, the styles move on. And as long as Dortmund are winning, uh, you know, in the short term, I'm sure the fans will be happy. Yeah, I would also argue that it was kind of hard seeing the best out of Dortmund in this particular instance. Um, that field, oh my word. <laughs> that's, yeah. uh, that's a, that's what you call a, a Kartoffelacker in German, a potato field. Um, that was, <laughs> it was so bad. I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. It's, um, an embarrassment for the league. His ankle. Oh, so horrible. And it, it definitely, I mean, Dortmund and everyone was so excited about seeing Andre Schürrle, Marco Reus, Mario Götze play together for the first time ever, right? The three are close friends. They're all, very gifted footballers and everyone was so excited to see the three of them pair up with Michi Batshuayi and they really tried but every short pass that they played all everything basically all the skill sets that they had were lost on that pitch and yes you can say Gladbach had to play on that field too but you know Gladbach um, right now they're, they're a construction site in itself there's so much going on with them period that the pitch just added to this and um, I think they probably as a side are better suited to playing on a field like that, but you can't see a technical gifted football on whatever that was that Gladbach's groundkeeper put out. I, th I think that's just, I mean, there was actual patches. It looked like someone was like, they, they put patches of field um, onto the existing field to patch up holes. I, I've never seen anything like it. It's an absolute embarrassment. I think what was, was key for me is that I didn't realize how bad it was until I think, we're lucky on a football grad network because we've got access to Getty images. So as that game was going on and you could see the, you know, the high quality, high resolution images that were coming from the game onto the, onto the portal where we're able to log into to get the match images and the stripes 
on on a football pitch. Normally, a strike's on a football pitch. You cut it in one direction, and then you cut it the opposite way in the other direction. That gives you the stripes. The stripes in this pitch, they were laid on stripes, so they'd come in quite rightly, like you said, Manu. And it looked like it looked like the road down around the corner from me, where there's so many potholes. They just come in and drop a patch of tarmac on the top, and it was an absolute disgrace that field. And you know, I would expect to see better at my son's high school. I was waiting at, at halftime just to see uh, Bill Murray um, trying to blow up some uh, gophers uh, on the pitch. Uh, Kenny Shack style it was that bad. But, um, guys, let, let's talk a little bit about uh, Bruce A. Munchen Gladbach. I know John's not here. Uh, what a pity. I'm, I'm sure he is happy to miss this one. But that's now four games that they've lost in a row without scoring a goal. Uh, it's a little bit concerning there, isn't it, Chris? But is it just as simple as, well, they, they, they haven't really got no, no goal score? I think that and the players that you would normally expect to be playing well are playing within themselves. I'm a big fan of Lars Stindl. I think he's been particularly poor um, and he's not one. You know, He's one of, let's say, 11 um, players at any given point that are playing poor. And, you know, they're 10th on 31 points. Um, which is mid-table, and unfortunately for them, you know that's where they are at the moment. I don't think they're poor enough to be, you know, twelfth or thirteenth. But if their run doesn't change, you know, they're not that far off fourteenth in the big scheme of things. If they lose a couple of more games, they could find themselves right down near the bottom. So they're going to have to be careful. But yeah, when I've, when I've seen them so far this season live, they have not impressed me now hopefully i'm going to be there um on match day 25 to, to see them play and i hope one that that pitch is in a better state and two that they give me something to look forward to because that especially the game against um eintracht they were woeful yeah things not looking good for them at present but another side that um things aren't looking too positive for that we mentioned um earlier on the podcast was um, Wolfsburg who uh, managed to uh, lose at the weekend uh, a little bit unfortunate for them when it was so close and there was a Lewandowski uh, penalty right at the end to see them lose to uh, Bayern Munich uh, 2-1 but um, it did see the end of Martin Smith's uh, time there he's uh, handed in his resignation much to the uh, well to the club's surprise it seems like um, Tim Schumacher was uh, the managing director there was a little bit uh, surprised by the whole ordeal uh, and thought that um, he would be there to the end of this the season that they would uh, turn it around but that wasn't quite the case um Manny what, what exactly happened here and is this actually good news for Wolfsburg Oh, it's never good news when when a coach leaves, resigns, gets fired, um, etc. I actually wrote in the match report for Fußballstadt.com that, um, that that in my talking point, that was my talking point, that this could be the end. And uh, I I actually would predict that Olaf Rebe, the sporting director, is next. That he will probably be actually let go. Um, we talked about money early in the podcast and the squandering of money in Wolfsburg. Um, have a salary budget that's just 2 million euros less than Atletico Madrid. And look where they are. That's an absolute disgrace. And when you spend, when you spend that kind of money, it's kind of fitting that this is happening at a club owned by the car company that had the diesel scandal just recently. It's just, it's an absolute disgrace in my opinion, how money is just being blown out of the window 
uh, at Wolfsburg. And when you look at this squad, it's just like patchwork. Uh, they went into the season of Andres Jonker. And Andres Jonker plays ball possession football, but they weren't even convinced that Andres Jonker was the right man. So I think four match days into the season, they fired Jonker, they brought in Martin Schmidt. Martin Schmidt likes to play counter football like he did with Mainz, but he didn't have the players for it. So the question, of course, has to be asked to Olaf Rebe, the sporting director, why did you go into the season with Jonkers, sign all these players that Jonkers wanted, and then you fire him with the four matches and you bring in a coach that doesn't fit to the squad? That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And uh, I, I think that he will probably be out the next out of the, the, the window. And I think that things just need to happen in Wolfsburg. The way the club is run, the way the entire setup is, it's just it's just not coherent, and it is a typical case of a club having too much money, not knowing what to do with it. Yeah, Wolfsburg have uh, suspended training as well for the uh, team, and they said that they're going to have an announcement rather soon. So they, things are looking a little bit tricky there. They're facing Mainz away from home on the Friday night game, so they're going to need to get to the training grounds and resolve things rather quickly, aren't they? Um, okay, well, another side that seems to be in a spot of bother at the moment is Hamburg. We keep mentioning about their clock uh, ticking and how we should, well, really cover it up. I, I think it's not doing them any favours, but they've, they've appointed a new president. Um, and I, if I'm honest, don't know too much about him. Manu, hopefully you know a bit more than I do. Uh, what, what can you tell us about him? Yeah, this is um, Bernd Hoffmann, and he was at the club actually in the uh, early 2000s, and they were actually really successful with him. He was not the president, he was the CEO of the um, part of what they call in German, the Aufsichtsrat, right? So he was not the president, but he was part of the, the team that actually got Hamburg to be very successful at the time they, they reached the semifinals of the then UEFA Cup. And were eliminated by Fulham, um, and they were, they had a goal to be in the top 10 of European clubs. And then he was let go by the then, uh, president, um, one of many, I'm not going to go down the list of many, many presidents that that club had. So he, uh, he is now back. He's wants to become, a, he wants to be full-time president. The, the current president is, uh, Maya, uh, the outgoing president rather. As Maya and he as um, someone who was very involved in the the business side in Hamburg, but um, didn't do this as a full time job. Hoffman wants to do this as a full time job, and this is interesting because it could mean that Jens Todd and uh, the current CEO uh, Heribert Bruchhaben could be out of their jobs, and um, even Bernd Hollerbach, apparently the coach that was just signed two weeks ago. Uh, he is in danger of losing his job as well. And I mean, the, in the meantime, Chris, you, you sent out a great picture of fan protests with the clock. Um, the fans saying, if the, before the clock turns off, we're going to hunt you through the city. And this is, of course, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, the clock has been a major topic on this podcast many times before, but I, I feel like this clock, uh, TikTok, TikTok is, um, it, it, it I can just sense that if they do make these changes, Bernd, Holler, Bernd Hoffmann is a visionary. He he has done great work with Hamburg in the past. But this is such an odd time to come in. And how much can you really do at this time? Um, there's, you can't make transfers. Are you going to fire the coach? What what changes are you really going to be able to do for changing the sporting director and the CEO? Oh, man, I think it just adds fuel to the fire. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think you're right. It's, it's definitely um, just 
well, throws more up in the air as well, doesn't it? It's hard to know where the club's actually going at the moment, but but down really. But um, you know, let's 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 see if they can pull it around um, in this coming week as they face Werner Bremen away from home in the late kickoff on Saturday. Oh, but uh, that's guys- going to be a big game, Bryce. That the North Derby. Oh, that's yeah, that's going to be a heated affair relegation battle and i i can see tempest flare in this one really badly well you're you're gonna have 15th taking on 17th so yeah, yeah rather close but there's only six points in um it's in the league and i suppose some people would also describe that as a six pointer from another point of view yeah uh, but um guys that, that more or less does it for this week we've, we've covered quite a bit haven't we but um I have no doubt that both of you are going to be very busy this week. Um, Chris, what have you got going on and what would you like to draw people's attention to, maybe? Uh, well, it's um, unbelievably, it's Champions League and Europa League week again. Um, so we've got all the previews and live reports, hopefully, fingers crossed. Um, I may be at Chelsea tomorrow night, um, waiting for very, very late confirmation. But if not, um, we're at Arsenal on uh, um, Thursday night for their... Um, round of 32 second leg um, against Osterston so I'll be looking forward to that and hopefully Bryce hopefully fingers crossed might get the call um, that we're invited to Chelsea Barcelona oh, Very exciting indeed I'll keep my fingers crossed for you Chris. Um, Manu what have you got going on this week as Chris said it's um, a lot of European action once again yeah, so the the previews, I guess by the time this podcast is out, most of them will be out. Um, the the Champions League previews are or the Europa League previews are coming on footballgrad.com and football, uh, footballstadt.com. And then we have CONCACAF Champions League and footballsidage.com. And then we have uh, match reports as well. So I'm doing the Bayern Besiktas game and the Schachter Donetsk um, against roma game um so yeah lots of content coming and um i guess straight football till next weekend so and you can find all of that at football grad live it will be all tweeted out there um you can follow me at manuel of fl or occasionally leave some comments on various games and things that i see and i like to also tweet out like statistics like the numbers that we've just seen so um yeah that's basically what's happening um this week um on 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 the football grad network very indeed on the football grad network and yeah guys head over to at football grad live on twitter you'll see all the previews match reports and well you'll see, you'll see tons of articles as always by these two fellas uh, and everyone else in the team uh, if you've enjoyed the podcast please head over to likes of itunes or wherever you pick up the pods and just give us a bit of positive feedback or even get over to twitter and interact with us we really do appreciate um, hearing from you all but that more or less does it for this week thanks for tuning in and our fears in. Ich war seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt, als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.